Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. And uh, coming up, we are going to have Jennifer Bukowski on, brilliant criminal defense attorney. Uh, she has a lot of notes because uh, she's been reading that uh, report on President Biden. She's going to share what she has uncovered. Uh, a nightmare special counsel assessment of Biden's mental fitness triggers Democratic panic. And it is. It is. Uh, just that's all it is. Um, so uh, we'll check uh, in on that. She watched John Stewart. He made a return uh, to The Daily Show. Apparently he'll do it one day a week. Uh, I frankly uh, couldn't care less. Nikki Haley's husband, uh, Trump, uh, uh, wants to know uh, where is he. I, I, oh man, I just this whole uh, this whole election cycle is uh, is making me crazy. Cory Bush, she's in trouble, not legally but politically. We'll get to that. Uh, we will have uh, Senator Eigel on the program. He uh, will be on about half an hour from now. And uh, Professor Marie Sabrin, that wraps uh, pretty much uh, the guests, but it's not all the topics. Now, this is particularly important. I want you to pay attention to this. This is particularly important for guys listening to the program. Doesn't so much apply to women because, well, they're probably a little better organized than us. But many times we get caught off guard about Valentine's Day. It's not like it comes up at different times of the year or different dates. It's February 14th. It's been that way for decades. It's Valentine's Day. And somehow we forget. Maybe it's genetic. But you don't have to worry. I am going to give you a couple of outs, if you will. Ways that you can pretty much save some money and time. And not get any <laughs> Valentine's gift. Uh, Brian, did you already get uh, Denise a, 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 a Valentine's gift? Well, the answer to that is obvious. She already has me. What more could she ask for? Uh, maybe <laughs> a, a bathtub full of piranha would be an improvement <laughs> for living with you. I don't know. Well, here's the thing, Brian. You don't have to buy her flowers anymore. You forget the flowers. What? No, 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 no. Times has an article that says that um, you should not buy flowers because it contributes to global warming. Oh, why didn't I realize that? I, I don't know, but if, if Denise is expecting flowers, tell her, look, I would love to have gotten you flowers, but I care about the environment. <laughs> and I read this story in the Times, and so I'm not going to, to buy flowers for you. But wait, there's more. She may still be expecting a card, some acknowledgement. Oh, no, we can't do that either because, you know, cards are made from... Go ahead. Well, no, it's, it's not even that, Brian. What? Well, here's the thing. There are lots of people who don't have someone to love. And they see all of these Valentine's messages and the cards and the candy and the flowers, and it depresses them. Yeah, but I was thinking, about, again, about the environment and how, you know, paper is derived from trees. And trees, well, you know... You that's, that's, you know, certainly that's one aspect of it, and I wouldn't deny that. But you could also point out to Denise that... 
out of concern for those people less fortunate than her. I see. People who don't have someone like you <laughs> that they can, you know, be pampered with and, and buy. Um, you feel sorry for them. And so you're not going to contribute to their depression by promoting Valentine's Day. So this makes you a good guy all the way around. You don't have to buy any gifts. You don't have to buy any flowers. You're off the hook. What about I, uh, like a dinner at a local establishment like no, 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 CeCe's no, no, or no, something? No, no, don't get me wrong. It's not that I would, I would discourage anybody from going to CeCe's. Right. But according to the Washington Post, the anti-Valentine's Day movement is gaining strength. And you don't want to contribute no. to, the, to the depression and sadness of people who don't have a significant other like you. You're, you're just an all-around good guy protecting the environment and people less fortunate than you or less fortunate than Denise. <laughs> See, you just Thanks for adding that in. Well, I thought I'd give you a, a little leg up here. You, you're, just, uh, you're just an all-around good guy if you just ignore <laughs> Valentine's Day. There's it's your just out. another day. Yeah. There's that's your out. Do you it, 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 now back home in Cleveland? Uh, we have a double whammy. There's a thing called Sweetest Day. I don't know if they do this all over the country or not. Do they do that here? Uh, not to my knowledge, no. Sweetest Day? No. Uh, yeah. My my sister. Uh, as much as I loved my sister, uh, I would get angry with her every year at Sweetest Day because she would call <laughs> she would call Gwen and remind her. That it's sweetest day, and Gary should get you something. That is one as wonderful as she was. There was that. She mean would streak. call you during Lent too. Yeah, remember? you notice yeah. that. You know, there's a pattern there. <laughs> Lent would, and you know, now we've mentioned that there's a caller who every year, every year without fail, I should have marked his name down so I don't take his calls uh, during Lent. <laughs> every year he calls me up. And reminds me when it's Friday in Lent that I shouldn't be eating meat, and he ruins my dinner plans. But anyway, that's uh, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you, if you didn't remember Valentine's, I have given you an out. You you don't have to worry about it. I I think uh, I think that's pretty good. All right, uh, we we do have serious topics. Not that that's not serious. I mean, can you? <laughs> flowers contribute to global warming is there nothing these idiots won't touch apparently not apparently uh, just everything is worth uh, complaining about all right the, the congressional budget office has made a projection about the national debt i'll tell you what they discovered here in just a couple of minutes but it is of course not good we've been pointing this out on a regular basis. So, uh, what is the uh, what is the prediction? Share that with you in about three minutes. In the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It just keeps getting worse. It's uh, it's eighteen minutes after nine o'clock. Uh, apparently, according to the Congressional Budget Office, the uh, debt this year will reach uh, 99% of gross domestic product. Next year, 
next year, it will be 101.7%. We will have more in debt than we have in GDP. And and the Democrats and the Republicans just now, just today, decided to send billions of dollars. Now, it it probably won't get through the House of Representatives, but they they said yes to uh, how much is that uh, money for uh, Israel and uh, Ukraine? It was $161 billion with a B. And don't forget Taiwan. Well... What's, have to send them some money too. Yeah, what's uh, what's a couple of billion dollars here and there? Sixty-one billion dollars. Is nobody paying attention to this? Well, Kamala Harris is. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. You see, she was right for a change. Oh yeah, absolutely. Donald uh, or Joe Biden's got a little bit of a problem. She sounded well. Kind of anxious to step in. <laughs> did you did you see what I she... missed it? No, I didn't see it. Oh yeah, she's uh, she's she's ready. If something happens to to Joe Biden, uh, she is right there. Uh, if I were if I were him, I'd be a little worried. Kamala Harris says she is ready to serve as Biden faces age scrutiny. Uh, the story is in the Wall Street Journal, and um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be—it's uh, it, like having a bounty on your head. She was detailing her priorities for the campaign during a fight on uh, Air Force uh, Two, uh, during a flight on Air Force Two last week. When she was asked a delicate question, writes the Wall Street Journal, hanging over the Democratic ticket. Do voters' concerns about President Biden's age mean uh, that she must uh, convince them that she is ready to serve? Her answer, I am ready to serve. There's no question about that. Everyone who sees her on the job, uh, Harris said, uh, walks away fully aware of my capacity to lead. I, <laughs> yai, uh I, are you convinced she's ready to to serve? Because you know, in all honesty, and I don't want to, I don't want to make this uh, too macabre, but a vote for Joe Biden is, in this case, very likely a vote for Kamala Harris. Everybody knows this. In the back of your mind, we all know this. I wish Joe Biden a happy life. I hope he lives. For a decade or more, I don't care. I just, I I want him to live a happy life. But let's face it, at his age, the likelihood is not particularly good for longevity. I mean, he's already gone through longevity. He's 80 years old. So, will he make it for five more years? Maybe. But if you're a betting person, the odds are not in his favor. So you're not you're not really voting for Joe Biden. You're really voting for Kamala Harris. I am not horribly impressed by her. 
what was that that, that uh, slogan? I, I can't remember. It legs up. Hair. Oh well, never mind. How she got where she is. She is potentially, if if Biden prevails, the president of the United States. Now, Brian, doesn't that make you feel good? Aren't you oh, just yes, absolutely. knowing that she is uh, competent and ready to step in? There is no question about that. She said, everyone who sees her on the job walks away fully aware of her <laughs> capacity to lead. She certainly speaks words of wisdom. Let's just leave it at that. Do you have any examples? Oh, you've heard, you know, the examples time after time. Well, no, you said you had uh, I'm just evidence that, thinking that, 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 yeah, I mean, we've we've played these many times before about uh, what she has said, like the uh, passage of time. And here, here. Yeah, but those Governor are not... And I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time passage when of we time. think about a day in the life of our children. Oh, man. So doesn't that just give you chills and when you hear it? See, no, I thought you were going to play something that would help convince me. That we would be in competent hands in that, the event that something horrible. That didn't do it for you? That was not it, Brian. Huh. That, that was not it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I was looking to hear. <sighs> there was always going to be a lot of scrutiny and pressure on her in the 2024 campaign. And that moment's here now, said Jennifer Palmieri, uh, who uh, worked in the Obama and Clinton administrations for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. I think that the special counsel's report has sort of accelerated that moment. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. These uh, the the Democrats are panicking over this, and and rightly so. Uh, what they're trying to do now is kill the messenger. Uh, it's all his. He, the 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 process, investigating prosecutor. He he should never have done this. He's the bad guy. <laughs> uh, what he did is force the Democrats to say out loud what they've been saying behind uh, Biden's back and everybody else's. This this is uh, this is this is exciting. I'm actually kind of well, I'm happy about it because for for the first time we've got Democrats talking about this. And the media talking about this. The media have been covering up for Joe Biden for four years. Maybe more. Probably more. But with respect to his his mental capacity, for sure, for the last four years. They, when they talk, when anybody brings up his, uh, his shortcomings, his mental uh, uh, shortcomings, they say, well, uh, Donald Trump is uh, making a mistake here and again, too, you know. So it's, it's like... This somehow uh, is not an issue. If it happens to Trump, it can happen to Biden. The problem is that when Donald Trump stands up and gets in front of a microphone, he never looks as though he woke up in somebody else's house. He always, he's focused, 
he, he can communicate sometimes uh, rather crudely, but he's 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 in command of his faculties, and there's little doubt of that. Uh, but Biden, I mean, you just you look at that vacant stare. It's like, well, whose house is this? What what? Where am I? That's that's not what I look for in a presidential candidate. Democrats, you got a problem, and it ain't getting any better. Uh, there's a, um, as you know, it's it's really close in the House of Representatives uh, for the Republicans. They've got the tiniest little margin, and there is a uh, there's an election in New York. It, you remember the the uh, uh, Republican who lied and misspent money. I mean, the, this guy, what's, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's... Santos. Uh, Santos, yeah. <laughs> a complete idiot. Well, they're, um, they're having this election today, and it is to replace Santos. And I've, I looked at both the candidates, and I'm not impressed with either one. I think the Republicans have probably made a mistake with who they settled for. But Everybody is going to say this is a barometer. This is a sign of things to come. If, if the Republican wins this, the Democrats are going to be shuddering. Oh, my, we're going to lose. Look at this. A Republican beat a Democrat in New York. If, on the other hand, the Democrat wins, the Democrats will be out saying, see, this is a sign. We're in good shape. We're going to win everything. Uh, I don't think it's a sign of anything. I really am not impressed with either candidate. I, I don't think this is an indicator of where where the where the country is going in the general election. I think th- that you know the Democrats do have a problem because the uh, the border kerfuffle has actually been louder than the anti-abortion uh, or pro-abortion uh, message they've been sending out. I I don't uh, I don't see this as a barometer. I don't see it as an indicator. But they'll make it out one way or the other. They'll make it out either to panic or to celebrate. Uh, and I think it means neither one. Uh, Senator Bill Eigel is going to be on with us in just a couple of minutes. I bring him on not because of any particular race or any political agenda. I just want to hear what he has to say about what's going on in the state of Missouri and elsewhere. Uh, So he'll be on board with us. Uh, We'll talk about this uh, report from the feds that uh, we're going to actually exceed. uh, uh, The debt will be uh, the deficit is going to be greater than the gross domestic product. We'll see what he says about that. He's Mr. Cut Taxes. Uh, He wants to get rid of the personal property tax. He'd like to get rid of the state's income tax. Well, I like that. So we'll kick all that around. Uh, Then Jennifer Bukowski is going to be on board with us. Uh, What she has seen in this report by the prosecutor about Joe Biden. She's taken copious notes. We'll share all that with you about one hour from now on The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 
It is 9.35. Glad to have you with us. Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us about one hour from now. And uh, she has been looking at this, uh, her report on uh, on the uh, president and the mental fitness question. Uh, John Stewart is back. She watched. She's got some audio on that. And uh, a little uh, Nikki Haley update. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, Senator Bill Eigel with us. Not for any political campaign, just because he's a senator in the state of Missouri. And I want to know what he's thinking. Senator, welcome. How are you? Hey, Gary. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you with us. I got a, a story here that I was looking at about Jeff Bezos. And apparently he has moved... Uh, to Florida, and it will save him $600 million in taxes. Holy moly, that is impressive. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, you know, so he's making a smart decision, right? And the decision that, that Jeff Bezos is making is is the same decision that most people are making. They're moving to states that have a lighter tax burden versus states that have a heavier tax burden. So he's coming from California, which has one of the, the heaviest tax burdens in America. Uh, they, they absolutely punish folks uh, on income taxes. I think they're the top rate of their income taxes over 14% versus Florida, which won't take anything from you depending on what you uh, produce. So it is a much more advantageous, and it's driving growth in, this, in a state like Florida. So combined with the fact that Florida actually spends less than half per person from their government than what we spend per person here in the state of Missouri. And it's pretty quick and easy to see how those big red states like Florida, Texas is the same way, Tennessee is the same way, Both all of those states are growing. It's pretty easy to see how those states are growing and the state of Missouri is not. Well, I have been arguing for years, long before I was a part of any public statewide effort, that Missouri ought to move towards imitating the policies that are making the Floridas and the Texases of, of this country successful. And that starts with, let's get rid of the income tax. And by the way, let's get rid of personal property tax. That's a good place to start. Uh, you get no argument from me. I'm absolutely in your corner. Uh, some would argue that uh, the state of Kansas tried to get rid of their income tax and it didn't work out for them. <laughs> well, so when Kansas cut taxes, which is a noble effort, they refuse to cut spending. So there, there is two sides of this coin. Uh, you have to have, you have to actually be the fiscal conservative that you say you're going to be back in campaign season. And, and, and the good news for Missouri is we've never been in a better position to cut state spending. I mean, we have doubled state spending uh, since I came into the Senate in 2017. And even though I've been the, pretty much the only senator that has voted against every single one of these bloated budget bills, the budget it continues to get bigger. In fact, the spending problem in Jefferson City is so bad right now that this year, Mike Parson submitted a budget that is not even a balanced budget. He actually wants to not only spend every single dime that we take in in revenue, but he wants to spend another $1.5 billion above what we take in, drawing down the surpluses that we were blessed with over the past few years uh, in the state of Missouri. And we're not even doing a balanced budget anymore. So this is how far away from the Republican brand of fiscal sanity that the uh, center-left leaning regimes in Jefferson City has driven us. So uh, I, I have no confidence that there are other folks in the state that may want to pick up the uh, baton after Governor Parson is termed out, that they're going to bring any fiscal sanity to this, which is why I'm calling for significant reductions in spending at the state level. And when we do that, we're going to be able to get rid of income tax, and we're going to be able to get rid of personal property tax. 
If you just turned the radio on, uh, Senator Bill Eigel is with us. There's a story, Senator, in the Columbia, Missourian. Headline, ballot initiative reform prompts Senate Democrats to begin filibuster. Senators opened debate Monday on an effort to restrict Missouri voters' ability to amend the state constitution. I want to start with that first paragraph. Is that an accurate representation? Well, I, I would say it would be a better representation to say that Senate Republicans have begun the effort of protecting the Missouri Constitution from some very dangerous, dishonest, out-of-state special interests that want to put abortion on demand all the way to birth back into our Constitution. So, Senate Republican, by the way, I think it's fantastic that the headline has anything to do with Democrats filibustering, because we've heard about how Republicans, like myself, have had to slow things down in order to bring these big red ideas to the front of the uh, the front of the line when we finally gotten there even though there were a lot of folks saying that our tactics as the freedom caucus were never going to work well in fact they work so well that now initiative petition reform and protecting our constitution is being uh, debated on the senate floor right now and the democrats are filibustering imagine that doesn't that just sound good that the democrats <laughs> are actually have to standing up and filibustering sounds like we're right over target they tried this uh, something similar to this in ohio and the Democrats tied it to abortion, said it was all about abortion. You just mentioned abortion with this, too. I would think this is about more than abortion. Yeah, it is about more than abortion. And even though, you know, abortion is what's in right in front of us. But the reality is uh, we have seen a sequence of bad initiative petitions that, quite frankly, I've argued weren't even constitutional and should not even have been put in front of the voters in the first place, whether it's Medicaid expansion, whether it's clean Missouri, whether it's Amendment 3 on marijuana, that were that had millions of dollars spent on their behalf lying to the citizens of this state about the effects uh, of the initiative petition had they gone into effect. Remember Medicaid expansion? We were told that was going to save us money in our government, right? Remember that was going to save money? Well, that didn't save us a dime. It's costing us hundreds of millions of dollars. So we have you, we have seen these very dishonest campaigns uh, attain simple majorities and get things put into our Constitution that, one, don't require any, any type of consensus between the urban and the rural uh, parts of our state, and two, are hurting their state and stagnating us even further behind. So this, this conversation about protecting our Constitution, I mean, this is, what, this is what you run to be in public office for, to protect the rights of the citizens. There's no better way to do that than to protect the founding document of the state. And that's what we're finally doing in the Missouri Senate this week. And you know what? I'm optimistic that we might get a bill done this week. That would be that would be nice. I would think uh, there is a, a a report from the Congressional Budget Office, uh, and while this deals with federal spending, I think it trickles down to the state. Mm -hmm. Federal debt to surpass gross domestic product uh, next year. Uh, the deficit will add one point six trillion in uh, fiscal year twenty twenty four. Grow to two point six trillion by uh, fiscal year uh, twenty thirty four. But in just one more year. One more year, the public debt will rise to the point where it is actually in excess of gross domestic product. What's the implication of that? The implication is that Washington, D.C. is bankrupt. They just don't know it yet. And they don't know it yet because there's still a demand for U.S. dollars around the world. But that is declining as well. And as that declines, we may find ourselves uh, with a federal government that goes bankrupt and can no longer borrow and print money. Well, that's going to have a huge impact on the state of Missouri because right now our state budget, 
is made up of 50% of federal dollars coming from Washington, D.C., which means that since half of those dollars are borrowed and printed, anybody thinking that Missouri has a balanced budget is just it's just, it's just not accurate. We don't have a balanced budget. The governor's not even calling for a balanced budget. And if those dollars disappear, like I expect they will, there's going to be a lot of people hurt in the state of Missouri who are currently getting those benefits or depending on those benefits right now because we have done such a poor job separating ourselves from the federal government and saying, no, we're not going to take all this federal money. In fact, Missouri is the number one most dependent state in the country, more dependent than California, more dependent than New York or Illinois, on the federal government to meet our budgetary obligations. That's how far out of control the spending has got. And I hate to say this, Gary, but it's been because our Republican governor, Mike Parson, has put budgets forward that have increased our dependency on the federal government, and he shows absolutely no signs of wanting to stop or turn around. He wants to spend even more money, and we're just putting our, the future of this state further and further into doubt by doing so. Does this mana from heaven uh, come with strings attached? <laughs> every, every single dollar that we take comes with a string attached that takes away our state sovereignty. So if there are any listeners out there, uh, Gary, I know how you and I feel, but if there's any listeners out there that believe in this idea of the Tenth Amendment, that states ought to be sovereign and the states are actually in control of the federal government, not the other way around, well, the acceptance of all this money and all these strings has completely obliterated the sovereignty of the state. We are dependent on, uh, uh, this, on an addiction to the cash coming out of Washington, D.C. Well, those times are coming to an end. If we don't get our finances in order, and if we don't have Republicans in this state that are going to be serious about being exactly the kind of fiscal conservatives we always talk about in campaign season, we're in big trouble. All right, I'm going to step outside of the state here. Uh, just one more uh, question, and then I'll let you go. And if you just turn the radio on, you're hearing from Senator Bill Eigel. Uh, the Senate has just passed a $95 billion foreign aid bill. Mm. And uh, we're 34 trillion plus in debt and we just talked about that national debt some people think we should uh, you know that uh, the palestinians should be getting uh, uh, some relief others believe israel some people think that uh, we ought not be giving money to ukraine should we be giving money to anybody should 536 people in washington dc have the right to take our money and give it to other countries when we may not agree with them? Well, I, I, Gary, I'm going to be honest with you. The idea that we should be sending any money over overseas right now when we've got an open southern border where millions of folks are coming across the border. We have an invasion in progress right now that's not just bringing folks who are here illegally, but it's bringing fentanyl and drugs and human trafficking into our borders and is ki literally killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. The idea that any of our money is going to be going overseas uh, before we address that is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I think the money that's slated to go to Ukraine is more than $60 billion. To put $60 billion into perspective uh, going to Ukraine. First of all, that's more than the entire state budget of Missouri. Just to put that in perspective, that's more that that sixty billion dollars is more than the entire amount of money we spend on the United States Marine Corps. So the idea that we're going to send a check like that to Ukraine so that they can participate in their ongoing stalemated war with Russia uh, is just outrageous. And the fact that the United States Senate thinks that is the priority, sending all this cash overseas is outrageous. Now, 
I'll also say that we have we have allies that we're always going to need to support, and we're going to continue to do that, whether it's Israel or it's our NATO partners. We're always going to make good on our commitments. But the idea that the U.S. Senate is passing this kind of disaster of a program uh, to send all this cash overseas is outrageous, and we should put a stop to it immediately. Senator Bill Eigel, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Glad to have you on board. Always a pleasure, Gary. We'll talk real soon. All right. Take care. Senator Bill Eigel on The Gary Nolan Show. Uh, 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. You can also go to GaryNolan.com. Send me a message. It will pop up in studio. Jennifer Bukowski, who's been looking at the her report on Biden, she'll be with us at 1035. Next, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Jeff Bezos and his move and how much he's saved. On the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, nine fifty-two, and uh, Jeff Bezos is is moving from Seattle to Miami, Florida. And uh, according to the story, and this is at CNBC. This isn't from some right-wing uh, magazine or some libertarian magazine. It's 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 right from the belly of the beast of the left. Last year. Bezos said on Instagram that he was going to move out of Seattle. He'd been there for like 30 years. Washington State apparently has no income tax, which is probably why he settled there to begin with. But uh, in 2022, the state of Washington imposed a 7% capital gains tax on the sales of stocks or bonds uh, of more than $250,000. It's just another plan to soak the rich. Now, Bezos is going to sell 50 million shares of Amazon uh, a stock. Uh, and he wants to do this before January 31st, 2025. If he lives in Florida, he saves a minimum of 610 million dollars. Now, <clears throat> he says he's moving there to be with his parents and, and to be near his launch site. But interestingly, after they raised that that uh, capital gains tax in Washington, he quit selling stock. Coincidence? Uh, I don't know. 2022, they uh, imposed this 7% capital gains tax. Uh, and and it just, just after they did that, he, he stopped selling stock. Starting in 1998, he sold a billion dollars worth of Amazon shares and did that almost every year for 20 years. And he used that money for philanthropy and in uh, some other investments. In 2022, when the tax took effect, he stopped selling. He didn't sell any Amazon stock in 2022 or 2023. Coincidence? After his move to Miami, he made up for lost time. Last week, uh, a filing uh, with the SEC revealed that he uh, is going to launch a, quote, a pre-scheduled stock selling plan to unload 50 million shares before January 31st of 2025. Just at today's price 
of on that stock, it would be uh, $8.7 billion. Florida doesn't have an income tax, uh, and they don't have a tax on capital gains. So the $2 billion sale last week, he saved $140 million. He would have had to spend that money on taxes in the state of Washington. On the entire sale of 50 million shares over the next year, he will save at least $610 million. And again, that's assuming the shares don't increase in value between now and then. He is, just with that move, he has saved enough money to more than pay for that 417-foot yacht that he just had uh, built. You can't tell me that money doesn't go where it's treated best. It, it is pathetic that we tax the rich at such great rates in order to seduce voters to vote for us. And that's what politicians do. They, they will uh, go out and promise you everything. Eh, free education, eh, free health care and We'll help you buy a house, and we'll pay for your college loans, and we'll... All of these are bribes. They're all bribes. And in order to cover the cost of those bribes, they have to vilify the rich so they have an excuse for ripping them off at a higher rate. And that's what they're doing in Washington State. They're, you know, they've got so much money they can afford this. Well, who the hell are you to decide who could afford what? Who died and left you, boss? Well, he found a way out. How would you sell? How could you see it? Look, look at the state of Missouri. Look at what we've got here. From Lake of the Ozarks, uh, access to travel, uh, fabulous real estate. Uh, you've got... Literally, it, it's 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 a perfect state in so many ways, except for our taxes. How would you convince a guy like him to come here? How would you convince him to relocate? Hey, we'll tax the crap out of your car collection. Hey, we'll tax your income too. We'll just we'll just uh, you know if you live in Kansas City or St. Louis. We'll double tax your income in addition to the sales taxes and everything else. How's that an invitation that would bring money to the state of Missouri? It's not. Nobody with a great deal of wealth who doesn't just already love the state is going to move here. Why should they when they can go to Texas or Tennessee? Tennessee is no different than us, except they don't have an income tax. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.